before we talk about our movie of the week, which is Gattaca, which I'm super anxious to mm-hmm. pick your brain about, I want to go deep into your Letterboxd account. And oh, just shit. Kind I, of, forgot. Uh, I forgot that I was going to get fucking crucified for my Letterboxd account. Yeah, it's about Damn to it. happen. I, dude, ah, uh, fuck. You know what's funny? Because when you told me that we were going to do this, I was like, okay, I got to actually go through my Letterboxd account, update my ratings, and have my defense for every film. And then I just completely forgot about it. So, I, yeah, I'm fucked. I'm I'm ready because some of these ratings are absolutely disgusting and you should be ashamed. Okay, okay first of all, I'm just going to tell you to go fuck yourself. But second of all, uh, I've told you my rating system and I'm sure everyone has listened to the entirety of the last episode. So they have... They all know my rating system, too. So you have to take that into account. And that I have rated them using my system inconsistently. So technically, you have basically no information on my actual opinions. Okay, well, then this will be a chance for me to actually get your opinions on some of these. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, probably, honestly, you do understand and you're just going to hate me. But let's fucking go. So one of the first ones that jumped out at me is you rated 2001 A Space Odyssey three stars. Yes. Okay. This one I can fully defend. So as I told you, if I've seen a movie only once, the highest I can rate it is three stars. Then it's a terrible rating system. No, I don't think so. I don't so think so. Because I think that it's, it's possible to watch a movie, really like it. And then four to me is a, is a revered rating. No matter how much I like a movie the, the first time, I got to... I got to do a double check before I let it into that esteemed company. So movies like, uh, I don't know, say Knives Out, you've, or Uncut Gems, <laughs> you watched multiple times because those were more deserving than 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> okay, the number of times that I have watched a movie is only a week, is only weak evidence for whether it is deserving to be watched multiple times. Again, as we talk about on every episode, I've seen Jack and Jill nine times, uh, more than any other movie I've seen. So, but Knives Out, okay, I have not actually seen Knives Out more than once, so that shouldn't be, but I, I came up, again, I came up with my scale, like, partway into putting movies into Letterboxd. Well, <laughs> so not- four stars for Knives Out is totally valid, but three stars just because you haven't watched it more than one time is not valid at all. No, but but that's because you're taking three stars to be like, uh, yeah, I like like an overall rating of the movie. Like, ah, like I, I would just give this movie three stars. But but three stars for, and, and I guess this is only apparent to me because I'm the put, one putting them in, but three stars can mean this is actually a three-star movie, which, again, in my scale is still really good. Or it can be this is like was like amazing maybe even a four or five star movie but i've only seen it once so i'm not comfortable putting it in that category yet very not apparent so certain movies like get out hell or high water the revenant inglorious bastards are those all three stars just because you've only seen them one time or is Um, is saving private ryan actually three (laughs) stars for you Uh, yeah i've only seen it i've only seen it once and it was long ago so um, okay so but by the way bro you're the one who was like your film system, you don't want it to be social at all. And and I put all this in for myself, so just just saying. That's true. I'm surprised you actually remembered me saying that. So now a movie like Reservoir Dogs, yeah. which you gave a two-star rating. Yes. That is because... No, no. So two means... I mean, two... Yeah, two means I didn't max out for one watch. But Pulp Fiction right next to it has five stars. So you watched yes. Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. 
that's just crazy. You think it's crazy to put Pulp Fiction above Reservoir Dogs? Not necessarily, but not by three full stars. Yeah. So I watched Reservoir Dogs a few years ago. These ratings are sort of for me. I'm not just trying to like say what like I, I even think should be the rating or what maybe a better film critic would, would rate it. People can just look up film ratings if they want that. But like for me, that I just did not enjoy that movie that much. And maybe I would on like another watch, but it was just... At least at the time for me, it was just too dark and like uncompromising and unpleasant. So should I probably have put three stars and did I like rush through rating that? Like, yeah, probably. Okay, interesting. I, I can understand that. But now really quickly, let me get into some of the movies you rated five full stars. Okay, yeah. How many times have you seen Black Swan, which you rated five stars? Oh, fuck. Yeah, only only once. So, see yeah. what is this madness? Dude, I, I, I told you, I, I know. I need to update it. I, 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 from the beginning, have said that I need to update it. All right, it's true. So, what would you rate Gattaca? I kind of was short on time, so I, I watched it at um, one and three quarter speed. So I, I don't know how that how that would affect my rating, but I would. Wait, I would you're get, joking? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just fucking with you. Oh my god, I was literally <laughs> so frightened yeah, for a second, you, dude. You were like, you were like, probably literally like, holy shit, we can't do this podcast. <laughs> that is so devious. I actually, literally though, have have met someone who told me that they sometimes watch movies sped up. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no, they go. The like, pacing was all wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I think Gattaca would, yeah, would definitely get three stars from me. As, as <laughs> which I feel like me saying that is upsetting you right now. But well, um, no, is it three stars just because you've only seen it once now? Yeah, it's it's three stars, but I I could definitely see it going up on a rewatch. But I don't know, I don't know for sure. Um, hmm. But yeah. okay, so give me your just holistic superficial thoughts about it yeah i mean it was like it was a really awesome kind of world that they set up i think one of my favorite things about it was it was just a beautiful movie like visually like i like the the sepia tones and just the the architecture everything was just beautiful and captivating um on that dimension um i thought the the idea that they were working with of you know like eugenics and discrimination based on um, genetics and stuff like that. I thought that was interesting. I don't think I agree with the the movie's philosophical take and like frankly, I don't even really think it moved me at all philosophically. Uh, but I, I I respect what they were doing with that and I get that probably a lot of people would find that part really moving. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was a really fun watch. I think they packed a lot of shit in. It's a movie that's really dense with meaning. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you have to respect it for that. Totally, especially that first act. There's a lot of voiceover. There's a lot of exposition going on. And yeah bringing people up to speed so i'm pretty excited to to unpack some of the things you sorry said. to interrupt but one one more thing that i wanted to flag was so last time you told me basically like watch watch gattaca don't read a single thing about it don't read like a word don't look at any ratings or anything like that and yeah i didn't i successfully avoided reading literally anything i assumed that it was a sci-fi movie it looked like a sci-fi movie um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing that. And I think this might be actually the first time I've ever watched a movie literally only knowing it's like the name of the movie and that someone recommended it. I think it massively improved my enjoyment of it and how I 
connected with it. So I think that's gonna probably be like what I do, like ideally every time from now on. So I, yeah, I appreciate you pushing that. Hell yeah, I love that. Because especially for this movie, but with a lot of movies, if you literally read the synopsis for it, it would be like, you know, in a world where there's genetic discrimination rampant and yeah. like one man has to, and just like that totally spoils like the whole four, first 30 minutes where they're setting yeah, that entire does. thing up. Yep. And there's a lot that just unfolds that makes you go, oh, dang, like I see what's going on here. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they set it up in their way rather than just, you know, that like couple sentences that whoever fucking wrote like it. Yeah. It takes takes a lot away from it. Totally. And if you watched like a, even a trailer for it, I'm sure it would have things to do like it would have the murder of the director in there to like kind of oh, jumpstart yeah. the thriller yeah, plot yeah. and like get somebody interested and like that's like a half hour into it and like it's like you can't be spoiling shit like that already yeah so i'm glad that you said that that makes me happy yeah man yeah i, I really again i really just appreciate that i mean one of the things that makes me most excited to do this podcast with you is i think it's going to make me like better able to appreciate film and appreciate art and yeah this was just like a very tangible movement in that direction so yeah i appreciate it yes before we get into the actual content of the movie there's some some little tr fun facts that i wrote down nice such as the original title of the film was the eighth day but then when they were releasing it by the time they were going to release it there was already a film called the eighth day and so they <laughs> okay. had to rename it so they went with gattaca which of course, is comprised entirety, entirely of the letters used to label the nucleotide bases of DNA. Uh, okay. Did you, you didn't catch that? No, definitely not. And even in the credits of the film, they highlight the GATCs in everybody's name and stuff like that. And then, of course, when people are being sequenced and stuff like that, you see all of the different variations of, of yeah. those letters. What is interesting, as you mentioned, the cast, there's a bunch of interesting people in this. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Gore Vidal, who plays the, the director of Gattaca. I guess was in a few oh. acting roles, but mainly like a really famous writer. Huh. And like political guy. Have you heard of Corvidal? I've heard the name, but I haven't read any of his work. Yeah, just like read his Wikipedia page sometime. It's really interesting. Hmm. Um, Dean Norris of Breaking Bad fame is in this yeah, movie. Yeah, that was crazy. He's literally just credited as cop on the beat. Dude, him, seeing him in it was like one of those moments where it's like, it's so, it feels so out of context that I was like, I know this guy so well, but I can't place him. Yeah, that happens a lot. There's a bunch of people like that, like uh, Tony Shalhoub, who plays the like DNA broker guy, who's in all of these like small character roles in like oh. the 90s, early 2000s. And then uh, what about the sort of, I think, Italian detective guy, the older one? I know I know him from somewhere. Yeah, Alan Arkin. He's in a ton of shit. But yeah, a lot of people in this, there's some really interesting ones like in the cast and crew, like Danny DeVito produced it apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. It's crazy that. to it's see weird. his name there. And then uh, Maya Rudolph plays a nurse, which is a really interesting early role. Yeah. Huh. And then Uma Thurman, like I did not, I didn't even recognize her either. And then I, I pulled up the people and I was like, holy fuck, that is her. Really? She's super recognizable. What are you talking about? I, I don't know. I guess I mostly know her from um, 
just watching Pulp Fiction a bunch. And I think, like, she definitely is, like, like looks decently different from that. But, like, a different okay. vibe. Well, you've seen Kill Bill, right? Um, I saw, I think, the first one, like, oh my maybe gosh, eight years dude. ago. So did you know that Andrew Nichol, the guy who wrote and directed this movie, also wrote The Truman Show? Which Ooh, nice. you gave five stars on your letterbox. Yeah, I love that you have that in there. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's an exceptional movie. Yeah, and that's that literally came out the year after Gattaca. So this dude was literally out there making some amazing science fiction uh, wow. fantasy. Yeah, stuff. true, true. And interesting, though, that this movie lost a lot of money, right? Yeah, it didn't do super well. But it's also a pretty hard one to market, I feel like. Mm, yeah. I mean, it also, it is just fun to watch. I mean, I guess, like, it's so pushing on the, like, philosophy around, like, eugenics and stuff that maybe that's not something that that many people are interested in. But I thought it was pretty easy and fun to watch. Totally. Me too. Let's let's get into it, dude. Let's go. Let's start let's with the go. opening sequence. Because it's interesting to me, you know, when the opening credits are rolling and there's, like, these really super close-ups of, like, nails and hairs like just crashing to the floor and the first time you watch it i don't think especially like if you go in blind you have no clue what's going on yeah but then coming back to it you're like oh shit like this is totally in concert with the themes and this yeah reoccurring imagery of him you know just scrubbing himself there's like three different montages where he's just scrubbing all his dead skin off and you know, getting his excess hair and all of that off. And yeah. so it's super sick. And apparently the designer used oversized props like cable wires for hair. I looked this up and plastic sheeting for nails hmm. to get, you know, the visuals because it would be pretty hard to photograph, you know, a hair like falling and making like a giant thud or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Here's another fact. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. NASA scientists voted Gattaca the most accurate sci-fi film of all time. Really? Yeah, I actually have the list. Are you curious to see uh, what's on there? So the the list of the best science fiction movies as voted by NASA scientists is Gattaca, Contact, Metropolis, The Day the Earth Stood Still are all on there. And Mm. weirdly, even Jurassic Park is on there, which usually I think of as like a fantasy but apparently that's it's pretty accurate, well, which makes well, sense. I don't quite get, like, what is scientifically, scientifically accurate about Gattaca? Bro, I don't, I thought about it, and I don't think there's a single thing that is super far-fetched. Everything well, no, that, I just really mean, plausible. like, what even, what even are the big things that they would have to get right? Gene sequencing, the fact of basically this this designer baby concept where you uh-huh. can choose, pick and choose which genes right. you want, you know, to inseminate and stuff like that, and yeah. getting rid of unwanted genes and adding other desirable ones. Yeah, I mean, I I, I knew that part was accurate. I guess it just it doesn't seem to me like like something that's packed with um like actual science happening that you could get right or wrong yeah i think mostly it's the main conceit is very based in reality yeah yeah okay. yeah 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 uh interestingly let's let me go to the the worst science fiction films and number one is 2012 do you remember that film oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> that one was shit oh my god that's, yeah that's classic so yeah and also i do want to mention that the score is so freaking good the music yeah. in this film scores just amazing. shreds yeah 
Yeah, so what kind of an initial thoughts? You told me, you texted me, and you're like, six minutes in, this movie's already amazing. So yeah, what yeah. were you feeling six minutes in? Uh, yeah, so six minutes in, I think I was, I was amazed with um, how much they had already packed in. How good it was at sort of grabbing your attention because you're not told explicitly what's going on, but you're like pretty quickly like, okay, this guy's putting on fake fingerprints. I feel like it was the right amount of mystery to start. And then the cinematography was just um, beautiful. Again, I just loved how everything looked. Yeah, and I could already tell, even though I didn't know where it was going, that it was going in a, in a really interesting direction. Dude, totally. I, I absolutely agree. And I love the the certain shot composition and cinematography. And like you were commenting, the, the sepia tones and a lot of the color composition is really Yeah. Um, and then oh, early on as well, I love the quote. I've uh, got it here. And uh, it's the doctor talking to the parents who are deciding, yeah, like what kid to have. Which also, that was just an amazing scene and that the idea of like god god babies or whatever they call it i thought that was really cool but uh the doctor said believe me we have enough imperfection built in already your child doesn't need any additional burdens and keep in mind this child is still you simply the best of you you could conceive naturally a thousand times and never get such a result that yeah that was such an interesting idea of you know it, it is you yeah yet i mean that even that is kind of an interesting question like what does it mean to for that to be you for your child to to actually embody you and i think if if you would have a thousand kids and not get one that was even close to it it's hard to even fully call that your kid even if it is you know made using your like sex cells yeah no it's a super interesting idea and you could have gotten that result on the very first try it's just incredibly unlikely right so they're taking you know the best of all of those dice rolls, which, you know, is a lot of what genetics is. It's completely, you know, yep. random, but it's super interesting how they're they're picking. They're they're being very specific with the random results. So yeah. I'll talk about this, which is kind of humorous, but it is also part of the philosophy of the film, which is one of the first scenes where he's doing a urine test and the recurring oh. character, the doctor Lamar. Yeah. is like commenting on his his cock which he does later in the movie he goes nice piece of equipment you got there yeah don't know why my folks didn't order one like that for me which <laughs> is yeah. classic yeah and that was incredible yeah considering in this society uh most of the people are you know jet genetically predisposed to be in certain career paths the porn industry must be absolutely right, insane right. yeah <laughs> there must be like some like Considering the twelve-fingered pianist, there must be like multiple dick like shit going on. That's right. just <laughs> fucking wild. Another thing I really wanted to get into. So obviously, you know, his job interview is just him giving the urine sample. Yeah. And there's another previous interview scene where you know he's mentioning how discriminating based on genetics is technically illegal, but that all the companies basically engage in it and their whole society at large and the company will basically ask for a legal drug test and then they'll just use that to sequence your genetics right which is super interesting but are you re- are you ready for me to blow your mind let's hear it the u.s has a genetic information non-discrimination act that was passed by congress in 2008 really and i would legitimately be surprised if 
Gattaca did not influence this. And I, I read it. It's on on the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And it totally details how you can't discriminate based on genetics and harassment because of genetic information and rules against acquiring genetic information. It's absolutely crazy when you think that there's already plans in place for when this technology is more widespread. Yeah, yeah, that is that is interesting. That it's also kind of funny to to have something like that when people are already discriminating based on genetics constantly, but it's just not it's not based on the collection of like it's not it's not based on actually scanning genes. It's just based on the traits that genes give you or don't. Yeah, that that's interesting and surprising that we have. No, definitely. That's a, an interesting point. And it also goes into everybody all the time is is kind of discriminating based on genes. But here it's just like there's the really great great quote where he says, We have discrimination down to a science. Mm. If I'm, you know, courting a potential mate or something like that, sure, I'm totally discriminating based on genetics. Yeah. Just by looks or whatever. In this film, there's even the scene where Irene, Uma Thurman character, and when Ethan Hawke is pretend- pretending to be Jerome, and, you know, she's literally stealing his hair and sequencing it, or she offers him her hair to sequence it, and she says, you know, let me know if you're still interested after right. like, taking yeah. a peek at my jeans. It's crazy. They literally have that down to a science. Yeah. Even, and I love how the movie shows that it pervades all facets of the society, down to even choosing a potential mate true yeah yeah i agree some other scenes that i thought were cool when he meets jude law's character for the first time uh that's a great scene this is one of jude law's like first i think it's his first hollywood film that he did in the u.s here which is awesome Mm. oh that was a great great job in it yeah tony shalhoub's character says they don't care where you were born just how that's a good line yeah for sure and what did you think of the Jude Law character? Yeah, I thought he was really great. Um, yeah, in the end, I don't, I don't know that I had him totally figured out. Like, I know there was a bit about um, that he, it's he lacks the interest in space, right? What? There was something I think where they were talking about how he has, like, uh, the stamina, the intelligence, blah blah, all these things, but he doesn't have the interest. Yeah, no, there was a line like that. Uh, basically, they are showing one of the main themes of the film is your genetics doesn't necessarily show your mental state or your willpower or right. what you truly can accomplish if you you know put your mind to it because yeah. he didn't you know care about that at all. Right, right, right. Um, he obviously was an alcoholic and had a lot of issues. I, I mean, I guess I wasn't I wasn't totally convinced by his character that he was actually like uh, some genetic super specimen um now uh when the the one thing that kind of yeah made me i think see his competence more was well a couple things when he has the huge fridge of of stuff that he's prepared for um for vincent that yeah i mean there, there, there was a lot that he was like working on but more than that even when um when Uma Thurman and the uh, detective show up to his house, I thought the way that he handled all that in such a short span of time showed definitely showed something. But yeah, certainly loved the character, loved um, his selflessness, 
Um, and yeah, just how, how much he supported uh, Vincent. I thought that was, yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah, there's that great scene where he shows uh, Ethan Hawke's character his silver medal and says, with all I had oh, going for me, yeah. I was still second best. Yeah, and that so, was a great line. Yeah, it is great. He is selfless in the sense that he is doing a lot to help Ethan Hawke's character, but he's also like really pissed at the system and society, and I think he really enjoys sticking it to it and helping yeah. Ethan Hawke's character, you know, fuck him over in a sense. Yeah, true, true. Also, did you notice when he goes by his middle name, Eugene, which uh, actually means well-born in greek apparently oh, and of nice. course it ties into the theme of eugenics very well it's a little bit on the nose but i think right. it's a lot of fun right right yeah oh yeah and then i also i thought the scene where um they're i think they're at dinner and ethan hawk is is asking him about what he's going to do when he's up in space that and that, that's the scene where i think it really hits that just how strong their bond is and just how much they actually care about each other because yeah vincent is uh just able to <laughs> yeah like very much pry and it's like clearly coming from a place of compassion and then yeah the uh eugene guy is is yeah very much accepting that but you you see you see his kind of hopelessness at that point where it's really he's really kind of just yeah just living to send um Vincent up to space and uh, like really has has no plan. Um, I mean, I don't know if at that point he knew exactly what he was gonna do, like uh, you know, in the in the rocket, um, or or if he was just trying to trying to put it away. But it was you really saw how his life was was just one thing at that point. Explain that to me. I'm kind of interested. I don't fully understand what you're saying. Yeah. So like, basically. Vincent is asking him, what are you going to do when I'm up in space? He's, he's worried about him just being yeah. cooped up, essentially. And, um, and uh, Eugene just, just kind of j just keeps ignoring him, basically, or sort of like joking around. And then eventually when he, he's like really asked just like straight up, he just finished. He says, you know what I'm going to do? And then he just finishes his drink. And it's like because he, he has nothing that he can really do well when uh, Vincent's gone. He's got, he's got nothing in his life. He's got um, no plans. Totally. That's a good uh, point. And right after that scene, because he gets super drunk, um, and then there's the whole scene where Vincent is like putting him in the bed. Oh, and yeah. And he divulges that he you know, walked in front of traffic on purpose. I think he must have made up his mind of how he was going to die then. Um, he was definitely suicidal for for the whole film. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think that that he must have at that point already decided that he was going to like once once he sent Vincent up to space that he was gonna that was gonna be the end of him. Could be. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. It's just really interesting that you know they have that reveal and how. You know, imagine you're trained to be the best. You're born to be the best. Yeah. And then you make it all the way and you get a silver medal. And he just cannot cope Yeah. with that. And, you know, that takes away his entire identity of who he is, I'm sure. And 
makes him suicidal. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that makes sense honestly. If you if if all of your value and self identity just comes from trying to be the best in the world at something, like that's that's just kind of a shaky foundation. Totally, and it totally shows it contrasts how the system has failed both Vincent and Eugene in different ways. Mm. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so the system obviously failed Vincent's character by you know, relegating him to the lowest yeah. class of society based on you know, actions outside of his control. He can't control his own genes. And then, of course, on the opposite end, Eugene, who was raised to be the very best, but that also was his downfall in mm. of society, you know, identifying him based on his genetics and him doing that to himself as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, because we're about getting to the point where the murder plot is uh, yeah. revealed, and I was watching the Siskel and Ebert review of this, and it almost could seem like, yes, you have this philosophical musings on this eugenics idea, and then, oh, they have to make it a thriller, so they, you know, sh shoehorn in this murder plot. Mm. But what I thought was interesting that Roger Ebert said was that the ideas in the film are embodied in the thriller plot because the investigation sequences explain the values of the society. And what I thought when I was, you know, mm. thinking about that, when they're testing all the DNA in Gattaca and they find, you know, the invalid, they find the, the lone strand of Vincent's hair, they go, oh, you know, it must be this fucking guy, right? It's got to mm. be. And it's very interesting when it turns out to not be him. Yeah, another, it's actually the director. Yeah, yeah, that's a great right? point. And what the director says, he goes, you know, sequence me again. You won't find a violent bone in my body. Because, of mm. course, he has no genetic predisposition to mm. violence or anything. But wow. in the end, yeah. that doesn't make a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah, I love that take on it. Because I do think the thriller and murder plot, of course, it ratchets up the stakes. It makes things interesting. But it also says more about you know its themes in the society as a whole yeah true there, there was a, a point where i was kind of laughing because uh they were chasing uh vincent for so long and then it was, so he punches the cop and then goes oh, yeah. and hides and then and then i was thinking like shit they might catch him and then it, it then it struck me i was like wait but there's someone who actually did murder the guy like I, I just like forgot to even keep wondering about that because it's they're so sure that it's him totally it's very interesting and oh man i don't even want to get to the end of that because obviously shit gets super crazy but i totally know what you mean it's like a huge misdirect for the audience and for the characters in the film yeah yeah one thing at the end that i thought was yeah when you're like okay this is basically a full dystopia and this is like when when you think that he's not gonna make it to space and the way i think it's interesting where he's talking to the the doctor or whatever the guy who collects it who he's used to seeing and he's he's trying to tell vincent about how much his son likes him vincent's just saying you know just just remember like i could have gone up and gone back and like no one would have been the wiser and they're sort of they're kind of going back and forth 
but they're they each of them is not actually responding to the thing the other person is saying. They're just you know continue, he's like yeah and my son this and that and Vincent's like like yeah and I would have made it blah blah and yeah they're just not actually connecting at all and and it's interesting how you're listening to that and at first you're on the Vincent side of that where it's like like no the thing the actually important thing that's being talked about is what I'm saying right now. Um, which is like that I'm, I, you know, I pulled off this huge plot basically, you know, he's just like saying some random bullshit about his, his kid looking up to Jerome. Um, but then when you realize that the, the doctor actually knew, um, you realize that he was actually the one saying something profound. Basically he was, which was that his son looks, looks, I think looks up so much to this guy, even though he is an invalid, um, and also, yeah, that he's not, his lack of interest in what Vincent is saying is, is part of it too, because he, he doesn't care. He's going to let him go. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that the son looks up to him because he is an invalid, because mm. the son knows that he's not everything genetically that, that was promised. And so the father, who's the doctor, said, you know, there's this guy at my work who is like you, but he got a job here, you know, and is... Mm. is fucking going into space baby mm. right okay yeah that, otherwise yeah, you know sense. why would he give a shit yeah this there's a dude who was born for this and now he's doing it right right true true and then another thing so so okay when the when the jude law guy he he actually gets burned up by the rocket right all throughout the film there's scenes of him you know scrubbing himself of you know, this excess genetic material and then there's kind of a furnace that he lights to dispose of this genetic material it's in the house that eugene has been in the entire time he doesn't leave mostly because he's you know confined to his wheelchair and so he oh, crawls got up you. in there okay yeah, yeah and then disposes of himself right uh, okay okay got it so yeah what i was gonna say basically is i thought that it was i thought that was really fitting and symbolic where it was like Vincent sort of actually Vincent actually making it to space um, was sort of it was sort of him taking fully taking Jerome's identity basically and so it was I, that that seemed like the sort of full passing of the identity to him and how and how he yeah basically supplanted um, his own identity with um, with Vincent's and and then in the the ultimate culmination of that he um essentially like no longer was and yeah i thought the the timing of that was was really good definitely they purposely intercut you know the flames of the rocket with the furnace flames um and also did you notice how he puts on his silver medal yeah yeah and then uh it kind of merges with the flames to become gold Mm. I didn't notice that. That's a really interesting kind of flourish that he adds in there. Interesting. Should we get into the, the actual philosophy of the movie? Sure, yeah. What uh, didn't you agree with in terms of its philosophy? I, I mean, I feel like it's, it's pushing for, at least I think the sort of pathos of it is that, you know, this sort of intense genetic screening and selection is, is not good. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just really honestly disagree with that. I think the, the movie kind of shows ways that that can go wrong and ways that people can, 
take genes to to be all that there is about a person. But yeah, the the basic idea of trying to have you know smarter, happier, healthier people um, is yeah. It, I, I think it's just is relatively straightforward, and genetics are just a big component of that. And um, I mean, ultimately, I think I actually think that in the long run, like you, if you have the option to create someone who is, yeah, like healthier and happier and all of those things, and you don't, I think that that's actually like a moral wrong. And um, yeah, ultimately should be like essentially unacceptable. Not that I I think it should necessarily be outlawed, but I think that um, in the end when this technology may like fully exist and be available, but um, but yeah, yeah. So the, the the core thrust, I think I I disagree with. Interesting. Um, don't you think that when this technology becomes, if it did, or when it does become available on a wide scale, it would probably become available to more wealthy people first? I mean, don't you see? We have the scene where the parents are coming in to the doctor to choose, you know, the genetics they want for their future son. And that doesn't seem like something the poorest people could afford. And yeah, they would definitely, you know, just conceive naturally and be at a disadvantage compared to these richer people, which is just another, it's just going to create this caste system, basically, where people who aren't. Yeah. So I, I potentially I agree with what you're saying that sure, we want to make our children happier and healthy, but then those who don't use these things are going to be at such a disadvantage that there's going to be, you know, so much discrimination that you just couldn't help it. Yeah, I I do think that's true to some degree. I mean, I think we already have that. um, Yeah, to to some degree. And in some sense, eugenics is already basically happening because again when you choose a like someone to get married to and have kids with it's often uh yeah you're you're always selecting for genetics to some degree and people with you know better genetics in some ways tend to find partners that are similar to them in that in that way um but yeah it, it like is it could it make it the sort of divide worse um i could definitely see that i think in the long run though um it, it, like if you, if you have sort of it, at least traits that improve society that have you know positive externalities like you know just being happy, being compassionate, being intelligent, hardworking, like those those kinds of things, I think um, ultimately are are good for society, and uh, so having more of them is is better. And I also think that um, it's not like. Like, I, I think the uh, people benefit from, like, everyone benefits from everyone being more intelligent and stuff. So I think ultimately the, the price of the technology would go down and it would become more widespread. Because even even if you are one of these really wealthy, uh, like, exceptional genetics uh, people, it, it's not like you benefit from having, say, like, a bunch of poor dumb fat people around like it would actually be better for you and better for society to have you know um healthier happier and smarter people you think it would benefit that top percentage of very wealthy very intelligent people to have 
this lower class of less intelligent people to do, you know, maybe more menial labor? I, the, the thing is, I think that if you have um, if, if you have people that are like actually more capable, it's just easier to solve all of those kinds of problems. Um, so yeah, with like automation and and things like that, um, it's like generally almost any job is done is done better by a smarter, happier, um, healthier person, basically. So I think I think that that it would it would benefit the top people regardless. Even if it's like a janitorial job like they show in the film? Yeah, yeah, I mean I think I think even like that, but also I just think that, that those jobs will would with technological progress just get lesser and lesser and work would be more uh, dependent on intellectual labor and for that you're gonna want, you know, really, really smart people. Sure, I could see that, but what if this technology for genetics outpaces the technology for automation of menial labor, then you would definitely see these less intelligent people who d maybe don't have access to this technology, or even if yeah. they do, they're just less than this top super echelon of, you know, incredibly genius people who are born through this genetic, you know, whatever. Yeah. That are stuck in these jobs that maybe this person's technically a genius, but he's has to be a janitor now because they're super geniuses who are in all the other regular jobs. Right. I mean, well, yeah, I think even even that is still a a better outcome. I mean, if if it's like you get this insanely talented or whatever, like one percent of people, and then they can just use that to like amass an insane amount of power to like effectively oppress the the bottom ninety nine percent. Like that, I obviously would would not be in favor of. Like I think well, there's are, no way there's that would happen though. Oh no, I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily true. No matter what, there are going to be people who want to use the technology to have their offspring be the best imaginable. So there's going to be these crazy outliers yeah. who are just still better than everybody else, even if everybody's using this technology. And there's no way that those people aren't going to use that to their advantage. Uh, yeah, I mean, but using something to your advantage is very different from using um, something to oppress all the people around you. So, like, I think I, I'm someone who is fine with some level of wealth inequality, I think, everyone should be and I think yeah like Bill Gates should be able to use the money he has to do whatever he wants but within certain limits like if if he was wanted to you know create uh, like his, his like buy an island and create his own army and start enslaving people and stuff like that then that, that I would not be fine with him using his money to do that and that's where you can have government step in to you know set set limits on the kinds of it's too deep to even get into right now we could do another hour just talking about that so yeah that was uh gattaca do you have any parting thoughts um yeah i mean good good movie i thought for what it was trying to do um it yeah it succeeded um yeah i guess let's see is there anything i mean yeah really beautifully shot um very engaging interesting symbolism and whatnot i think ultimately an unconvincing argument but i think it was uh yeah they, they definitely made made the case as as well as you could and it was and with with the emotion that um yeah that i think you need and, and i like when 
I like when movies and art actually sort of do philosophy and try and... Because, uh, like, in philosophy, a lot of times thought experiments are used where you just try and imagine a, a scenario where you can, like, sort of control ver various factors and, and sort of see how it affects your intuitions and things like that. And they're actually very useful. They're yet pretty fundamental to, um, to philosophy. And I think that good art can be like the best possible version of thought experiments. And yeah, I think this one did uh, a really good job being that for, um, yeah, some ideas around genetics. And uh, yeah, yeah, I always love to see that. So yeah, definitely a, a very solid movie. Nice, I agree wholeheartedly. So what's our movie for next week? Oh, yeah, so is this my, my choice now? It is. You okay. mentioned uh, Rear Window or Vertigo last time, but yeah. I'm down for anything. Okay, yeah, let's let's see. I could check out my list. I mean, I so, I like, I have a, um, like, a watch list, but I'm so tempted to not use it because I want to just, I want to keep doing this where I have no idea what I'm getting into. Although, let's see. I don't think I know anything about... Is it pronounced Solaris? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I know really any, anything Something. about that one. Um, I would. I think Raising Arizona um, could also oh, be... Oh, you haven't seen that? Because I know you love the Coen Brothers. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't even realize. They have way more movies than I... Um, than I realized. Um, have you seen The Sting, by chance? Or have you heard anything yeah. about it? Is it, do you think it would be worth doing one on? I don't know anything about it. Eh, it's a good movie. That's how I feel about it. Let's see, okay. How about between Solaris, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. What the fuck is that? And, I, I don't know. I just came across it at some point. Let's and, watch that. It's the only thing I haven't seen that you're mentioning. Okay. And and you don't know anything about it? Mm, no. Have you checked? But I saw it's Louis Bunuel. So should we check like a rating or something first, or do you feel like we should just send it? It's Bunuel, so it's gonna be you know very great. Okay, fuck yeah. Okay, sick. Uh, so next week, the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Perfect. Good sesh, uh, and Sean, I never saved anything for the podcast back. Wait, you never what? So it's a Gattaca reference. It doesn't matter. That's, that's my ending line. <laughs> okay. Sorry to ruin it. Um, it's okay. Thank you. Very large group of people for listening to our third episode.